0: Amen. Haven't you been so blessed already by the worship this morning? I personally have been so blessed. Um, I try to keep myself from being too emotional nowadays because I think after really experiencing God's love in my life, I've been able to see and feel the words when I sing them. And it just changed my whole life. Um, Singing reckless love. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Isn't that how God's love is for us? But I wonder if we really experience his love, do we know, do we actually know what it's like to experience God's love? Or have we gotten so used to hearing about God's love that we kind of just say, accept it, right? Yes, God loves me. So when when Pastor Tara asked me to share about love, I felt kind of conflicting thoughts. The first thought was, great, I'm excited. This is something I can talk about. I love love. I love my husband. I have many stories that I can tell you that proves that I love my husband, um, my family. But then I also felt another thought, and that was how am I going to talk about love when there is so much pain. And the truth is every single week as a pastoral staff we get together and we pray together and there is a lot of pain that we see. There are illnesses, there, is, um, there are marriages that are broken, there are relationships that are struggling, there are people losing children and people losing parents. And I have a hard time talking and even experiencing love because I feel like I should be really empathizing with the world and being in pain with the world. Does anybody ever experience that? You almost feel guilty to experience the joy of God's love because the world almost feels like it has no place for it. So in thinking about love, I wanted to take a new perspective and I hope that you join me in on this and that is how does the world look at love? If I didn't believe in Jesus, if I hadn't been changed by the love of God in my life, what would love do for me? How would I see love in the world? So I want to share with you three different theories and you may know some of them, the first, is by ancient Greek philosopher Plato. Do we know who Plato is? That's right, so Plato believed that we love because love makes us whole again. So he tells this story that Aristophanes was in a dinner party. And Aristophanes shares the story that once upon a time, we were creatures that had two heads, four arms, four legs, and Zeus, struck us in two, and so our entire lives, we've been searching around the world to find our other half, and this is actually where we get the concept of soulmate. Did you know that? That's something that surprised me. That's where soulmate comes from, trying to look, just searching all around the world to find that missing piece. The second is if we fast forward to the mid sixth and fourth centuries, we are met with the theory of Buddha. You've heard of Buddha, I'm sure. He believed that we love because we're trying to satisfy our base desires. Yet he believed that these desires we call love are actually defects and a great source of suffering. To reach nirvana, you've heard of nirvana, this would mean to extinguish these so-called fires of desire and reach peace, clarity, wisdom, and compassion. The last theory I want to share is a French philosopher, Simone de Beauvoir. I don't know if you've heard of her. I definitely hadn't before um, doing this research. And she kind of blew my mind. She proposed that love is the desire to integrate with one another and that it infuses our lives with meaning. This is more closely related to the kind of love I believe in. How about you? God's love infuses my life with meaning. However, she was less concerned with why we love and more interested in how we can love better. She saw that the problem with love is that it can be so captivating that we are tempted to make it our only reason for being. What she proposed as a solution to avoid this happening is loving authentically. This means supporting each other in discovering ourselves, reaching beyond ourselves, and enriching our lives and the world together. This one made me feel a little bit more confident in talking about love today. But out of all these theories, I still can't shake that one thing proves true. That is that love takes faith. Because all of these theories, it takes believing in something, believing in something that we don't know, where it comes from, why it exists. I believe in faith too but it's hard to reason or explain love. We all try to come up with an explanation for why it exists, and I think we're disappointed when we can't figure it out on our own. But the truth is, there's no way to know the limits of our love, or be able to dip our toes in it and decide whether or not we want to experience it. If you've fallen in love before, you know that it happens naturally. You can't force it. You can't control it. Sometimes people are hurt along the way. Jealous people, right, are hurt along the way. If that's your story, but you know that it is real and powerful. Whether or not you believe in God, you can be confident that love exists Let me just say that one more time. Whether or not you believe in God, you can be confident that love exists. Just take a look at your family. You love your dad. You love your mom, your son, your daughter, your best friend, your pet, yourself. It takes believing in something that sometimes feels so intangible and impossible to sustain. That is the love of God a love that says you have done nothing to deserve this love. And yet I give it to you freely. I give it to you wholly. I give it to you with no expectation of loving me in return. We have a God that loves us so much that he loves us despite whether or not we love him or not. But he knows that love will come naturally and overflow from us when we experience it with him. That's why he doesn't have to force us to love him. But as human beings, we want to trace the thread back to the needle. Find the root of everything and make sense of everything, right? We're not satisfied with the mere fact of that love was the only source that took Jesus to the extreme. For some of us, His love is hard to receive because we haven't experienced the love of a father. So it's hard for us to understand what that kind of love is like. For some of us, it's hard to receive because, quite honestly, we don't have a relationship with God that would make us feel worthy of that kind of sacrifice. I mean, it's as if a stranger died for me, and all I can do is wonder why he did it but it's still all about me. It still comes back to me and what I did to deserve this love. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8 that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's a challenging thought because the reality is there is a God who loved you before you even existed Before you even knew him, you may not have known him, but he knew you. He didn't just have knowledge of you. No, he knew you. In Psalm 139, 13 and 14, it says, For you shaped me inside and out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. I will offer you my grateful heart, for I am your unique creation filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest details of me with excellence. Your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. But why is the question that comes to my mind when I read this. I I wonder, why does he care so deeply for me? Why me? Looking back through my life, I can pinpoint moments where I've known I was loved. The first experience that I can go back to is when I was about five or six, and I didn't do this on purpose. This story is about my dad. Happy Father's Day to everybody here. Um, But when I was thinking about a story that reminded me of how loved I am, I immediately thought of my dad. So I was about five or six, and my dad was taking a group of students to Italy on a trip. I lived in Spain at the time with my mom, dad, and younger brother, and I'd be happy to share my story in another, in another time, but it's a long story. Um, but that's where I lived for 10 years with my family. And so my dad came back from his trip a few days later with what seemed like a huge teddy bear. My dad brought this for me and I thought this was the biggest teddy bear I had ever seen. You know those huge teddy bears that people keep in their room? They're like six feet tall. I thought this was right about that size. Obviously as I got older I realized, oh, it's not that big. And he's, you know, he's not doing so well. He's missing an eye. So please be gracious to him. But this teddy bear has carried me through some of the hardest moments in my life. And when my dad got me this teddy bear, I'm sure he just got it as a gift for me. Because he thought, I've been gone for about a week from home. It's the longest time I've been gone from my family. And I want to make sure that Laya knows I love her and I miss her. And I'm thinking of her. So he got me this teddy bear. And I've cried on this teddy bear. I've been comforted by this teddy bear. My husband will tell you this teddy bear is in our room. It's not awkward, we've talked about it, we've processed it, it's okay. So don't feel bad for us. But seriously, this teddy bear is um, the love of my dad to me. Over the years it has been a great source of love for me. I never questioned why or if my dad loved me, I just knew. And this teddy bear isn't the only thing he did to show me that he loved me, but to me it was the best thing. Amen. I want to ask you three questions that you may answer for yourself because I think in order to talk about love, we need to experience it together. Isn't love an experiential experience, experiential love? So let's just experience it together. The first question is, who do you love? I want you to think of a person, the first person that comes to your mind. Who do you love? I hear some people whispering the name. Um, That's awesome that it just comes out of you because you love that person so much. The first person that comes to my mind is my husband. And we've been married 10 months. So, we're still in the newlywed stage. But don't come at us, okay? We've been through a lot already. (laughs) All right, I feel like we've experienced at least five years of life in these 10 months. So, we still won't give you advice, but we'll give you our experience. So when we first started dating we would get into some arguments and before I had dated previous guys and um, whenever we got into arguments I just immediately shut down. Um, I was very quick to say, yep, this relationship is not for me. This is not how I deserve to be treated or loved and I would end it right then and there. With Joe, whenever we would get into arguments it would hurt so much. Even the simplest argument, I just, it broke my heart to see him in pain and to see that I had caused him pain. And so sometimes I would tell him, can we just skip this part? Can we, can we move on? Can we get to the part where we make up? Because knowing that I hurt you just completely breaks my heart. And I would just rather skip the pain. <laughs> Who do you love so much that it hurts sometimes? The second question is, how do you love them? I love Joe so much that sometimes I forget to show it. When we talk about uh, love languages, and I'm sure you've heard of love languages before, right? When we talk about these, it's always frustrating because people ask, what are your love languages? And I'm like, everything. Just anybody else? All of them. And honestly, I think for Joe, it's the same. All of them and none of them at the same time. But the truth is at the, at the end of the day, our love language, both of us, have one. It is intentionality. I, don't, I would love a gift, but I would much rather have a gift that is meaningful, that made you think of me. I love acts of service, but I would much rather you do something that you know is going to help lighten my load on that day. I love spending time with you, but I'd rather spend an hour of quality time than 20 hours together. These are things that we've noticed throughout the course of our relationship Still, one of the greatest lessons I've learned in marriage so far is that intentionality really does make all the difference. How do you love who you love? How do you show your love to them? Picture it, what do you do to show somebody that you love them? The last question is, why do you love them? This is the hardest of the three, I honestly wonder if any of us can really answer this question. Why do you love them? Because of what they do for you? It's not a trick question. It's just an opportunity to reflect. If you were to ask a couple who's been married for 20 years, they would assure you that that's not why they love their spouse, amen? Amen. Wow, only a few. Okay, all right, so most of you love all the time. That's great, I'm very happy for you. The rest of us are struggling out here with love. It's hard to love. If you were to ask a parent, they would concur. It is not because of what my kid is able to do for me. Parents, look at your kids, kids look at your parents. Yeah, that's love, right there. In Romans 5.8, the word that is used is God commended his love. God demonstrated his love. He proved his love for us. He made the first move. He approached us in the way that he knew we wanted and deserved to be loved. And he said, I love you. Like my dad did when he gave me that teddy bear. Jesus is God's proof of love. Charles Spurgeon uses his imagination to tell the story this way. So, we're in heaven, and God calls a family meeting with all the angels. You can imagine they all come down, they gather in a circle, and as he begins to speak, the angels' faces start turning pale. Cherubim and seraphim, God says, cohorts of the glorified. Spirits that likes that like flames on fire swift at my bidding fly, ye happy beating beings whom I have created for my honor. Here is a question which I condescend to offer for your consideration. So mom and dad sit you down and say, hey, we want to know what you think. Man has sinned. There is no way for his pardon, but by one suffering and paying blood for blood, who's it going to be? Dead silence. Even the strongest of angels who would have jumped at the opportunity to help. I mean, God the Father is asking you, what would you do? What would you do? But they realized they could never bear the guilt of a world upon their shoulders. So they looked down, and then the Son of God spoke and said, I will do it, Father. The angels, shocked, could not even speak. They had seen the earth created before their eyes. Creation breathed from the mouth of God himself. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just say, I love you. He showed it. The second thing he did was While we were yet sinners, meaning we were not worthy, we were already too far gone. And I say we because if I've learned anything from history is that history repeats itself. And here we are again. Jesus died for those who were actively sinning against him, for those who are actively sinning against him now, and for those who haven't even had a chance to get to know Him, yet. He died for all of us. That's how He proved His love. The truth is the evidence of love was displayed in a very counterintuitive and countercultural way. I think this is why it's so hard for us to understand why Jesus had to die on a cross for us. It's very countercultural. How many people do you see that do that nowadays, right? I can't think of any. Someone had to sacrifice his life for me and for you. No one else has ever gone to that extreme for me before. Romans 8:31 says for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It takes faith to believe in this kind of love. It takes faith to believe that God's love is well within our reach and that he doesn't expect anything in return. Our gift to him is a relationship. A relationship with him. A lot of times we look at relationships as a way that we can receive love. And I'll be honest, when Joe and I first started dating and pretty much in every relationship I've gone into, it has been, wow, he's got these characteristics, these qualities, I would love to have as a partner. And I never thought, oh, I would be a really good fit for him. I just, that's not something you think about. You just fall in love and you think, wow, this person is going to, we're going to fit together so well, right? What is that person going to do for me? The truth is that love is about loving someone deeply and not having the power to control if they love you back. Love makes us vulnerable, and it makes us tender. It leaves us exposed. A long-lasting, enduring, committed relationship takes fully embracing the other person when they've given you no reason to do so. That's what Christ did for you. And maybe your spouse or the person that you love that you're thinking of has given you many reasons to love them. But let me tell you something, and I think we can all agree that there is nobody, nobody that will ever be able to love you like God loves you. Because our love, it has conditions. We fail. We sometimes don't love the way we're supposed to, right? We We argue, we bicker, we get angry, we kind of stop loving, sometimes even stop liking the person. But God is the only source of unconditional love. So I want to ask you three questions. The same three questions that we talked about before, but I want us to answer them for ourselves. I want you to answer it for you. Who loves you? Well, I know somebody who does. Jesus does, he loves you so much. How does he love you? He gave up everything, everything for you out of the kind of love he wants you to experience it, experience by having a deeper relationship with him. And the last question is why does he love you? because you mean the world to him, period.